Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Benin is a geographically small country in West Africa, located between Nigeria and Togo. Since the 1990s, Benin has earned a reputation as a strong and stable multi-party democracy. There have been multiple elections and peaceful transfers of power. The independent democracy watchdog group Freedom House had consistently given Benin high ratings as a free country. However, that has all changed in recent years, and rather dramatically. Freedom House no longer gives Benin high marks as a free country, a degradation attributed to actions taken by the current president, Patrice Talon. He was elected in 2016 and soon after used the power of the state to undermine Benin's democratic institutions. Political opposition has been crushed and the constitution contravened as Talon consolidates power. Elections are now scheduled for April 11th, with no real opposition vying. What was once a nascent but flourishing democracy is now a country in significant democratic backslide. On the line with me from Benin is José Biao. He is the spokesperson for the Alliance Patriotique de Nouvelle Espoir, or the New Hope Patriotic Alliance. This is an umbrella group that includes members of the political opposition. It is led by José Biao's father, Rogetien Biao, a former foreign minister of Benin. The group is advocating for a national dialogue to restore democratic norms to the country. We kick off discussing how and why Benin had a reputation for a stable democracy and the actions taken by the current Talon administration to undermine that reputation. We then discuss potential peaceful paths forward for reconciliation and dialogue in Benin. Benin, needless to say, is not a country that is regularly in the news. You know, do a Google News search for Benin elections, and you'll really not find very much at all, at least in the English language. So I was very glad to bring this conversation to you today as part of this podcast's ongoing effort to shine a spotlight on important stories around the world that don't get the attention I think they deserve, but nonetheless are extremely consequential. So here is my conversation with Jose Biao, spokesperson for the New Hope Patriotic Alliance, the Alliance Patriotique de Nouvelle Espoir in Benin. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. 
Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Benin has been recognized as a standard bearer of democracy across the region and sub-Saharan Africa in general. Uh, we are the one of the only countries in sub-Saharan Africa that transitioned from a dictatorship to a democratic administration without any bloodshed. And that was due to the December 11th, 1990 National Dialogue, uh, where President Kirikou was amenable to sitting down with the people to negotiate a, uh, a transition, a stable transition, which led to open elections and brought uh, President Mustafar Soglo to power. So, and, and through that history over the past 25 years, uh, we've been accustomed to pluralist party um, elections with with anyone qualifying to to become president or is able to post their election electoral bid. And that has happened from 1990 to 2016. And there have been and, changes, uh, right? There have been like changes in political power. Like I, I saw that, for example, President Karakou, you know, would sometimes win elections, would sometimes lose elections, uh, but wouldn't like other leaders in the region cling to power. Correct. Correct. No, absolutely. So, you know, after uh, President Soglo uh, got to power, he organized elections in, uh, in 1997, which he lost uh, to Karakou. And Karakou came back and had uh, two terms and then, you know, transitioned down out to President Yaiboni. So, yeah, there's been stable transition of power, um, you know, compared to other uh, countries in the region that were essentially uh, dictatorships or uh, power being held within the hand of one specific group without free and fair elections. So we're, we're going through a very shocking process where, you know, the new administration has essentially put roadblocks to, you know, the democratic process. So the current administration of President Talon came to power in 2016. Can you just give listeners a a sort of a brief biographical sketch of who he is and uh, how he came to power? Yeah, uh, Mr. Talon is an interesting character. And this is as described by uh, former President Soglo. He's been in the uh, business industry for quite some time. Uh, working in the cotton industry. Essentially, he was an importer of agricultural fertilizer, essentially. That's, that was his main business. But essentially, he's a, more of a government contractor where he had a contract with the government importing uh, agricultural products and essentially used those relationships to get at the top of a uh, farmer's union, an agricultural union, uh, and which he used to uh, essentially get a hold of 10 uh, cotton plants, processing plants in Benin that were formerly owned by the government of Benin. So that was his main intro into the uh, cotton industry, which essentially uh, through negotiations and different relationships with government parties was able to become, you know, the one of the largest cotton producers, uh, industrialists in the country. So that's where his wealth came from. He's been associated with the political class over the years. He's funded, you know, multiple political parties. Uh, you know, he's known to be one of the main backers of President Yai Boni, uh, who funded his campaign. So he's been very close to political power over the years. 
And, uh, you know, the, the next step coming into 2016 was for him to, to become president. Now, the, the issue that, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Biao was mentioning uh, in one of his comments was that uh, essentially Mr. Talon was uh, had a legal issue. You know, so he, he had he was accused of poisoning former President Yaiboni, which caused his exile to France. And uh, he, he, he wasn't allowed back into the country. And the, the people essentially petitioned to allow him uh, for a pardon by the president, which he got, which allowed him to, to come back to Benin to actually run for the for the 2016 elections. And, you know, through alliances and 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 support from uh, from uh, other candidates, he was able to to win the second round of the election in 2016 and, and became president that way. So he was elected in 2016 through legitimate means. Yet uh, since taking power, uh, Benin has experienced this kind of unprecedented for its recent history backsliding of its democratic institutions. Can you sort of just describe what happened? Why, for example, has Freedom House demoted uh, Benin in terms of its ranking on democracy in recent years? What steps has President Tenel taken uh, to initiate this kind of democratic backsliding? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's it's a multi-step process which started with the you know modification of the Constitution. The illegal violation of the changes of the Constitution without a consensus. I mean, it's ingrained in the Constitution uh, that there needs to be a consensus to proceed to certain major modifications. Uh, remind you that the, the Constitution was amended on the night of October 31st, uh, you know, 2019, by 10 uh, members of the parliament overnight. So those decisions were taken overnight and then promulgated by the president of the constitutional court. So no consensus, whatever. It was rushed over a, a, a nightly process, very ambiguous and completely illegal and violating the constitution. And that's what the, the, the coup African de droit de l'homme, the, the African courts of human rights, uh, you know, they rejected it. And after reviewing there was a case and they pronounced themselves as to the, the, the changes that were made to the Constitution were unconstitutional and invalid and that we should go back to the 1990 Constitution that was uh, you know, that was decided on a consensus, consensual consensus basis. So that's the major factor. And, um, you know, multiple courts have ruled on that and they're refusing to apply these rules. Uh, 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 the other component is a privatization of Benin's major uh, industries, the most uh, profitable industries have been privatized into Mr. Talon's uh, businesses. So, so as a former businessman, essentially, you know, he who had economic power, he, he was able to use that power once he became president to privatize major industries. And, you know, people... Which industries, uh, for example... Um, are major industries in Benin that have been privatized to the fiduciary advantage of the president. Correct. Yeah. So the agricultural industry, mm. you know, he was already in cotton, but now he's in, you know, um, agricultural products like 
cashews, pineapples and whatnot. But beyond mm-hmm. that, you know, he's he's privatized the, the oil industry. You know, Benin has some offshore oil. Uh, he's privatized the port of Benin, which is, you know, the major revenue generator of the Republic of Benin, the port. He used to be the uh, general director of the port, but essentially he's been able to privatize the port by bringing in his, one of his personal companies to act as the customs, right? So all the revenues that are coming into the port, and again, I, I specify the port of Benin is a major revenue generator. He's been able to privatize mm. that as well. In addition to other, you know, if you go down the skills all the way down to the taxi company, I mean, his company, he runs Talon's companies are, are essentially 95% control 95% of the taxi business. Mm. So essentially, and it's, it, 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 it's a complete privatization even the hotel industry, you know, we, we, we know people mm-hmm. in the hotel industry that have built hotels that, you know, he's essentially taking over through his own businesses. So any, yeah. any lucrative business in Benin has been essentially privatized into, uh, into his uh, private uh, uh, companies. And, and beyond that, I, you know, I have seen reports in news about political opposition leaders being arrested for, and also uh, being prevented from running in this upcoming election. Could you describe what happened there? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's another major thing. And the most recent one being Miss uh, Rekia Madugu, uh, who was essentially kidnapped. Um, and, and, you know, for reasons that we still don't know. I mean, she was charged with terrorism and uh, the, the prosecutor general that, 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 that was processing that case is operating on assumptions. So that's the, 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 the nature of the current government, uh, the constant assault on the opposition, whether you're condemned for, for bogus charges uh, or forced to exile or arrested. And that's that's the situation we're living in in Benin right now. And people are, are afraid to speak. You know, people are afraid to express themselves. Uh, he's been able to essentially put a, uh, a gag order essentially on uh, on the country. And, you know, people, you know, there's no more freedom of expression. The the media is very limited in terms of what they can publish. And that's just been the general environment. So that's another tool well, that he's used yeah. to exclude the opposition over over time and well, eliminate I, the competition. Well, well, can I ask you? I'm reaching you in Benin right now, correct? Yes, that's correct. How concerned are you that you and your father, who is a leader of an opposition group, uh, will you know be arrested for for speaking to me or for speaking out as as you and your father have been doing? Yeah, no, I mean, there's always concern. Um, obviously, we feel like we we are in our full rights. As far as what we're doing, we're not doing anything illegal. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're operating on a patriotic basis in terms of speaking the truth and exposing what, what's happening. Obviously, being, being uh, cognizant of the risk of, you know, getting arrested or anything like that. But, you know, the, the whole approach was to, to, to uh, initiate the discussions to a national dialogue. So our... What we're offering is just advice to the president, you know, real advice as to what is good for the people and, and for peace in the country. So, you know, we're, we're, we have a peaceful message and that's the approach we're taking. And, you know, if they're going to arrest us for speaking the truth and try to bring the country together to a national dialogue, then, you know, that's that's the decision they'll have to make. 
so elections are scheduled for April 11th. Uh, what do you suspect will happen? Yes, uh, the current situation, uh, again, if you look at the political landscape, there is uh, President Talon running for re-election and then uh, two parties that he essentially handpicked to compete against them. So they're, 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 these are he's essentially picking his opponents. Uh, the, 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 what, what I'm hearing on the grounds is that this election will most likely not take place. Um, you know, I don't have the, the details, but, you know, based on general discussions, we feel like the, you know, we're still opting for a dialogue and, and we're hoping that, uh, whether the, uh, either the president takes that initiative, but, uh, you know, we, we feel like the, the basis of these elections, considering that they're, they're not constitutional, um, will, will likely not take place. And if they, if they do take place, won't be recognized by the international community. And, and, and most importantly, uh, is that Mr. Talon's mandate, constitutional mandate that he both on ends the night of April 5th at midnight. So legitimately, based on the Constitution, he loses all uh, as of April 6th and and the the people have the right to uh you know put a transition in place so it is to be seen but you know our thoughts are that uh, these these elections as planned will not take place and rather there will be as you're advocating for some sort of national dialogue in lieu of elections is that is that your your sort of position absolutely yes and that that is the position of the uh african courts of the of, of human rights as well mm-hmm. you know uh, these these national dialogues is to tr- is to bring bring the process back to the 1990 constitution and and organize free fair and transparent mm-hmm. elections on that basis so that's a Exactly what you just said. So, so lastly, you know, Benin is a, a very small country, not a, a top priority for, say, the United States or many powerful countries around the world. It's not a country where you read about much in, in the news. You know, I was doing a, a Google News search ahead of this. There's really not much about the upcoming Benin elections out there. Why is the story and the situation of the backsliding of democracy in Benin, an issue that the international community at large ought to be concerned about. Yeah, I think uh, you made a good point. Benin is a, is a small country on the map, but, you know, to be, to be clear, the Benin has a very rich cultural history that, that, that has yet to be exported to the globe and, and very, very large intellectual capacity. But, you know, in, in this framework, the reason why we think, you know, major powers should focus on this election is, you know, Benin in the subregion, historically being the, the democratic standard bearer, the, the, the democratic front runner in West Africa, if 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 we if we shift into a dictatorship uh, or you know, following the 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 decline in democracy in, in the region, that could be a major catalyst in the region, and and I, I think it, it'll it'll create a lot of instability that will be challenging for the world in general. So th- there is a catalyst 
uh, as far as Benin right now. And, you know, if we see Benin shift, uh, it, 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 it will have major effects. So I think it, it all get, considering that we are a small country, you know, we have a very rich history that should be of interest to, you know, uh, uh, foreign powers, uh, but also the stability in the region and then democracy in general. Um, I think should be a focus in this case. Uh, well, Jose, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Mark. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Jose for the interview. And as I said at the outset, I was very glad to learn myself a lot about the situation in Benin and to bring this degradation of democracy ongoing in West Africa uh, to you. Again, it's not a, an issue or not a part of the world or a country that routinely makes headlines. So uh, it is part of the mission of the podcast to bring these stories to you, and I'm glad to have done so. And today's episode is supported in part through a grant from the Carnegie Corporation of New York to showcase peace and security issues in Africa. To view other episodes in this series, please visit globaldispatchespodcast.com. And a disclaimer that the opinions expressed in this episode belong solely to the individuals who expressed them. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.